It's time for another episode of Gospel Preaching Live, brought to you by the Kearney Church of Christ, which meets at 406 North Clark in Kearney, Missouri. Make plans to come out and visit the brethren who look forward to seeing you. And now the host of Gospel Preaching Live, Richard Dodson. Hello, I am Richard Dodson, minister at the Kearney Church of Christ, and I'm so pleased that you joined me this evening for another lesson from God's Holy Word, and I pray that you'll find it to be beneficial. We try to come to you every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. and Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. These times are all central time in order to be able to edify the world through the message that Jesus has delivered to mankind through his apostles by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we aim to do. And I pray that you'll find it. You'll search this out. You'll find it to be uh, truth. And if you do, that you'll give it a like and that you'll share it with as many people as you can. We send this message across through uh, Facebook, YouTube. We advertise it on uh, uh, Twitter and uh, various other platforms. We use podcasts of it, uh, the radio. We try to do everything we can to get that message out and everything that you can do to help us, we would be well pleased. If you have any questions about what we do with this show, you can call or text 816-686-9517. That's 816-686-9517. Again, remembering I'm in the central time zone, and uh, you can, uh, if you have a, a question or a suggestion, love to hear it. You can also email me at gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. That's gospelpreachinglive at gmail.com. And again, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, just go ahead and leave a comment in the comment section, and I'd be glad to respond. Uh, let me know where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from people and where they're listening to this message from. Okay, I got a special sermon this evening, and that's because the time I'm de delivering this lesson to the uh, church in Kearney it will be the morning of the Super Bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I have done this before, preached on Super Bowl Sunday, and the Chiefs have been in uh, three Super Bowls now in the past five years, and I know what it's like to try to keep the attention of my audience. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're distracted. They're all Chiefs fans, and it's not just them. Uh, the town a lot of times looks like a ghost town because people are busy getting ready and going to uh, various places to watch the Super Bowl and, and to prepare for that. And so because of that and because people's minds are, uh, I'm trying to help keep them focused on spiritual things on the first day of the week, uh, I want to bring a special lesson today, and I titled it Game Time. Now, you can probably see the relation to that and football, but there is a relation between game uh, sports and what we're doing as Christians, our lives as a Christian. And the Bible makes that comparison. And so what I'm going to do this evening is to try to compare the Christian's life to what might take place between a football game between uh, two teams, like might, what might we, we might see between the, the Chiefs and the Eagles in the Super Bowl. So if you would bear with me as we go through this and kind of play along with me, uh, we're going to go through a lot of scriptures, but I do think you'll see the connection as we go through it. So 
we got this scoreboard that I drew up, and you can see that it keeps the score between the Christian and the devil. And, of course, we're having 12-minute quarters. I don't know why I picked 12 minutes. I guess it's because my son's high school basketball team has 12-minute quarters. But I picked 12. Uh, the halftime is 15 minutes. Not that we're going to time that. But uh, that's just what I chose for the scoreboard that I have on display, and it's the first quarter. Now, what do you do before a game? What do athletes do before they engage each other in battle? Well, first of all, you have to acknowledge you have an opponent. And the Bible tells us this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and 8 through 10. When Peter tells the Christians to be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, and that's our opponent, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, meaning that this game also is timed, uh, our game goes on during our lifetime. It says the God of all grace who has called you to eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So we're using this passage basically to acknowledge the fact that we have an opponent and we're going to uh, be engaging with him uh, for a timed period, and that would be during our lifetime. Now, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 17 makes that same point that at the end of the game, there's going to be a judge, and that judge is going to determine whether or not you played well or not. Uh, because he says, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. In other words, again, there, this is a timed event. This is you're, you're being tested while you're on this earth, while you're living in the flesh. And so after that's done, there is one who judges all men. And since because of that, we need to be careful of what we do during that time. And so we need to be thinking about that before we engage the devil in battle. Now, Revelations chapter 2 and verse 10 also makes mention of this game or this event, this battle with the devil. And uh, when he wrote to the church in Samarna, he said that they are to be faithful unto death. And then he says, I will give you the crown of life. That would be your trophy. Faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And so we see then, again, that this is something that takes place during our lifetime. And, of course, it isn't until the game's over, when a winner is established, that you'll receive the trophy, and that would be the crown of life. Now, before that game, as we have acknowledged our adversary and we realize uh, he's, he's, he's going to be tough, we understand that the Lord has given us things to prepare us. And Ephesians chapter 6 and 11 through 13 tells us what the Christian must do to prepare for this event, this battle, this game, you might call it, with the devil. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Boy, that just sounds like a football player putting his pads on, doesn't it? Putting on his helmet and his shoulder pads and the various other things they do to you know, protect themselves. He says, put on the whole armor of God. 
And then he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Again, he's making reference to the devil and the powers that he has. And then he says again, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So preparation is very important. We have to acknowledge that the devil is, is you know, he's, he's tough. We need Jesus and we need to listen to Jesus and we need to prepare ourselves for this battle. And of course, this passage, and I'll let you read this on, on your own, but it goes on and, and tells us the, the various things that we need to do in putting on that armor and preparing ourselves for the battle. But uh, for time's sake, I'm not going to go through that passage, but if you look at Ephesians 6, it will list that for you, and I would urge you to do that. Um, you know, it talks about having the shield of faith and and the, the, the breastplate of righteousness, things of that nature. Those are the things you need to, to uh, uh, read on your own and, and understand. If you have a question about it, just send me a uh, message, and I'll be glad to respond to it. But this is what a Christian needs to be focused on so that they can they can engage in the game. They can play in the game. They can engage in battle. And I hate calling it a game, but we're comparing it, again, to the game that's being played on the Super Bowl. So if I do call it a game, forgive me, uh, this is a much more serious thing. It's, it's not a game. This is a battle. And uh, the consequences are very severe. All right, now let's just kind of skip ahead. The game has started, the team has kicked off, and uh, both teams have had the ball, nobody scored. There's about 10 minutes and 30 seconds into the game. I would, maybe both teams haven't had the ball yet. One of them has, but Irving, you know, you've, you've been in the game, you've, you've, you've run a few plays, the, you're finding out that, hey, this, is, this, this really is a battle. You might have even taken a hit. You know, you might have received a pretty good hit. Well, the Bible tells us things about that too, because for the new Christian who now is involved in this battle, Romans 13 has great advice when Paul said, besides this, you know the time. The hour has come for you to wake from sleep, meaning, hey, it's, it's game time. For salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. It's time to play ball. It's time to get serious. And then he goes, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness and in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And so what he's saying is be disciplined. Stick to the game plan that the Lord has given you. And if you do that as you're playing in this game, then everything's going to be okay. But it's time for you to realize the game started and you're going to have to get with it. Now, everybody has a start. And we see the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, he maybe he didn't realize what was ahead of him, but when he was uh, baptized by Philip in Acts chapter 8, it says that uh, he went on his way rejoicing. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, but after he they came out of the water. He went on his way rejoicing. And that happens for a new Christian. They're happy. And why wouldn't they be? But they haven't yet faced the battle 
that's going to be taking place. They, they don't really have an understanding of how hard it's going to be to live a Christian life. Now, in Acts chapter 5, uh, Peter and, and the rest of the apostles were uh, called before the Jewish leaders, and they were told not to be speaking in the name of Jesus. But, of course, they had responded that they have to obey God rather than men. And they couldn't find any fault with them to keep them. And so what did they do? It says they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. They let them go. But the, the first thing they did was they, they beat them. And then it says after they left the presence of the council, they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. So they understood that this is going to get hard. They're in, they're in the battle. The game has started, and they've taken a first hit, you might say. And they're thinking, hey, I'm worthy to be in the game. I'm still out here. The Lord kept me out here. He let this happen. So that's, a, that's something that's good. And, uh, but we shouldn't think that it's not going to get hard because it is. It's going to get very, very hard because the devil is going to put some hits on you. Now let's move ahead to the second quarter. Now it's getting really tough. Christians ahead 7-6. to six. There's 7-22 left in the, in the first half, and you're thinking, hey, this isn't a cakewalk. I mean, Philip might have been rejoicing after he was baptized, but how did he feel later on? We don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but there's been a lot of Christians that uh, started to have second thoughts. And the Bible speaks about that in the parable of the sower. In Matthew 13, 5 through 6, it said, Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. And since they have no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Now, the explanation of this is in verse 20 and 21. As for what was sown on rocky, rocky ground, Jesus said, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, much like the Ethiopian eunuch. But again, we don't know if the Ethiopian eunuch stayed faithful or not. We haven't heard anything about that. But some people receive, everybody receives it with joy when they first get baptized. But it says some have no root in himself. They endure for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And that's exactly what we're talking about that's taking place with some in the second quarter of this spiritual battle. They're thinking, hey, this is, this is tough. This isn't easy. This is, uh, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Now, Demas is one who uh, helped the Apostle Paul. In fact, he wrote in Colossians about Demas and how he was with him. And, but in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10, unfortunately, Demas is talked about as one who deserted him. And why did he do that? Because he was in love with his present world. And sometimes when the game starts getting rough, people are thinking, oh, this is too tough for me. I need to turn. I need to get out of this. That's unfortunate. That happens to many times, many players. But the one who endures to the end is the one that's crowned. Now let's jump ahead to halftime. You got 15 minutes. Boy, this is the Super Bowl, so they're going to have some kind of halftime show, right? Somebody's going to sing. Um, the Christian's up 10 to 9 at halftime. It's a tough, tough battle. And uh, they're 
team's gone into the locker room and what are they doing? Well, they're talking about what worked and what didn't work and what adjustments they need to do in the second half, right? That's what happens in a football game. No different for the Christian. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3 and 4, Paul says, if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But then he goes, let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in the neighbor. In other words, their little self-examination taking on. Test your own work. In 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, Paul said, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Again, test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? So this is what takes place with the Christian as well. Just like teams do at halftime in a game, Christians are supposed to be doing this. Now, of course, a Christian does this all throughout their life. But a football team usually does it at halftime. But we are we're to do this all the time. But we need to be thinking about what we need to do to improve as Christians. We need to examine to see if we're following the game plan or not. Now, in Psalms 119 and verse 59 through 60, this is a great passage. He says, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. In other words, if something's not working, Maybe it's not working because you haven't been following the Lord's game plan. And so what you do is you think about your ways, you examine yourself, and then you say, okay, I need to get back to the game plan the Lord has drawn up because I've gotten away from it. I need to get back to doing that. And that takes place in a football game. It takes place in the life of a Christian as well. All right, let's jump ahead. It's the third quarter. The score is tied 17-17. Tough, tough battle. We're about halfway through the third quarter, 6-15 left. And uh, people are now finding out that they're in pain. I mean, this is when you're tired, you're breathing hard, uh, you're aching, you're hurting. Uh, you might even be playing injured, but you know that this is a real battle now. Make no mistake about it. And there's a little fear in you. You're thinking, you know, I could lose this. This isn't no gimme. This this is something that uh, might uh, not go my way. Well, in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, Jesus, again in the parable of sore, talks about the seed that was sown among the thorns. And he says, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And so we can understand then that as you start playing in the third quarter, and you start thinking about going back into the world, well, that's going to make you an unfruitful player. In other words, you're not going to benefit the Lord at all. You're, you're looking at the world wanting to go back. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, you're thinking, you know, I'm letting these things go by, and I'm not being able to partake of it. You know, what if I don't win? What if I blow it? And then I'll miss it all. I won't be able to enjoy any of this world, and I'm not going to get to go to heaven. That's been a fear of many, many Christians who went astray. We can't think like that as a Christian. In Luke 9 and verse 62, Jesus said, no one, remember he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Nobody is fit for that. And so you can't be looking back from where you came from. You can't be looking back to the world thinking, you know, I, maybe I need to go back. No, 
you need to keep forging on and playing the game. And Second Peter chapter 2, verse 20 through 22 is one of the best admonitions about falling away that, that I know of in the Bible. It says, if after we have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first, or it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. And then he goes on and says, what the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to his own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. That's what a Christian is compared to who turns away from the Lord and goes back to the world. So no matter how hard it's getting in the third quarter, we got to keep forging on. We got to keep playing hard because we don't want to be like this. There's no, <laughs> nothing good is going to happen from turning back into the world. We have to keep forging ahead. Now we're in the fourth quarter. The devil's up 23-17. We're down by six. We need a touchdown and an extra point to win. There's two minutes. The devil punted the ball, and he knocked us out on our own one-yard line. We got to go 99 yards. This isn't looking good at all. And we're in the huddle, and everybody's hurting. Everybody's scared, and you're trying to lead the team, and you don't know what to do because you know there's so much at risk. But this you have to bank on. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul said, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So in other words, that's God's way of saying you can do this. Stay focused on the game plan. Stay disciplined. You can perform this. You can get the job done. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 and 4, speaking of Jesus, it said, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Yeah, Jesus did. He did shed his blood. And we have not... As tired as we may be in the fourth quarter, we haven't we haven't seen anything like that. But Jesus has been there. Jesus has done that. And we read about that in Luke chapter 22 and verse 44. And I'm just reminding you that when he was playing his game, when he was living his life, at the end, he knew that he was going to have to shed blood. And it said in verse 44, being in agony. He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Boy, talk about an anxiety attack. Can you imagine going through something like that and sweating as great drops of blood? Well, that's what our Lord and Savior did, and he kept forging ahead. Remember, he was doing something that nobody had done before. The devil, when Jesus went up against him, was undefeated. But Jesus was going to win that game, and he did. Now, this is the great part. About the time you're thinking this is about as bad as it can be, you look up, and out on the field runs Jesus Christ. 
And he puts his hand on your shoulder and he says, don't worry about this. I got this. He goes, you go on the sidelines, you watch this. And so you go over there and Jesus takes over the ball and he starts driving the ball down the field. And you know why? Because in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 47, when David was going up against Goliath, what did he tell the Philistine? That giant Philistine. He said, the battle is the Lord's and he will give you and our, your, our hand. And who's going to win your battle? Who's going to win your game? It's going to be Jesus Christ. He's done it before. All you have to do is be faithful and do what he says. I guess in my comparison, I should have said you. he played along with you. But needless to say, he, uh, he was going to win the game. And he is going to win the game for you if you do what he says. In Matthew chapter 25, in speaking, to one of those in the uh, parable of the talents, one who had done well and doubled his money. Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. Of course, he's comparing this to judgment. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter in the joy of your master. This, This gets back to what I said before. We don't win the game. Jesus does. He says, I will set you over much. In other words, he goes, I'm going to score the winning touchdown. I'm going to spike the ball. I'm going to win this game for you. That's what Jesus is saying. So now the game's over. 24-23, X point was good. Jesus won the game. And you're sitting there and you're looking at it. What do you have to look forward to now? You won the game. Jesus came through for you. You endured to the end. You did what he said to do. Well, Paul tells us what takes place in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6 through 8. Paul said, I am ready, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to who have loved his appearing. Just like when a team wins the Super Bowl, They get a Super Bowl trophy. Christians are going to receive a reward as well for playing in that game and doing what Jesus said to do and having Jesus win that game for them. That's what's ahead for the Christian as long as they endure to the end. So my question for you is, are you ready for your game? because you are in the game of your life. You can win it. Jesus will He'll make sure you win it. I mean, it's a guarantee you're going to win, but you got to do what he says, and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. You got to deny yourself and accept Jesus's will into your life. I pray that you will do that. And on that day, when you receive your crown, well, this is a picture of Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs receiving the Super Bowl trophy a few years back. You think they were happy? That doesn't begin to be as happy (laughs) as Christians are going to be when they walk those streets of gold, when God wipes away all tears. That's happiness. And then we'll all be able to say we're home. I want to go home. Don't you want to go home? You can join me. We can all be home with Jesus if we so desire. All right, that's your Super Bowl lesson. I hope you found it to be beneficial to you. If you 
again, if you liked it, um, give us a like and send it out to as many people as you can. Hey, if you're ever in Kearney, Missouri, would you come and visit us? We meet at 406 North Clark. We meet every Sunday morning at 930 for Bible study, 1030 for worship. You can learn about the church by going to www.carneychurch.com. If you like this lesson and want to hear more like it, tune to KPGZ 102.7 FM every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Central Time, and uh, you'll hear a message from God's Word. But uh, if you live outside of Kearney, that's no problem. You can stream it on your mobile device. Uh, this lesson, Gospel Preaching Live, plus another show I'm on called Brain Spirits, is a podcast on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And so you can look us up. It's called Gospel Preaching Live or Berean Spirits, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But uh, they're, all, they're all on there, and you can download them and listen to them as you walk, drive, uh, whatever you want to do. But you, can, uh, you don't have to watch the videos. You can uh, listen to them as you're doing something else. Berean Spirits is a, an, an Internet Bible study I have with two other preachers. and We have other people join us online who make comments in the comment section of Facebook and YouTube. It airs every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central Time, and you can join us by going to carneychurch.com, pressing on the Facebook, YouTube, or Berean Spirits app. It will take you there, and uh, you can listen, make comments, and uh, we'll try to use those on the Bible study. Now, uh, uh, if you can't watch it live, don't worry. We leave those up on YouTube and Facebook uh, and on Spotify uh, and Google Podcasts for people to be able to watch later on. Okay, that's all I have for you this evening. Next time I come to you, Lord willing, will be this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central Time. Until then, remember, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice in it and be glad. This has been Gospel Preaching Live. Join us each week as truth is taught, faith is examined, and beliefs are challenged. Be sure and hit the like button so you can be notified of future episodes and to watch past episodes, go to our website, carneychurch.com. This has been a work of the Carney Church of Christ.